Would you join your heart in prayer with mine as we prepare to hear what God has to say for us today? Lord, fill the space. Open our ears that we can hear you. Open our hearts to receive your love. Open our eyes that we may see others as your beloved children. May the words that we speak from our lips be a reflection of this love. We give you this time, this place, and our whole selves. Amen. A few weekends ago, I was invited by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship to join a group of nine other young Baptists to get together and to essentially have a conversation about church. We spent two days talking about our hopes and our dreams, roadblocks and challenges, and spent a good deal of time dreaming about a lot of wonderful and exciting things. The people that were in this group were clergy, lay leaders. Many of them uh, were not on staff at a church, but were very involved in their church. And they added much to the conversation, uh, which will become clear in just a moment. One of the portions of this conversation that we had, we spent time talking about people who have had an impact on our lives, people whose guidance has helped get us to where we are today, whatever that looks like, standing in a pulpit, working as a pharmacist or as a, a technical supervisor. I know that I have been extremely lucky to have people in my life that have helped me get to even this very moment. And I was able to list them as part of this conversation. And I imagine that if we went around this room today, we would be able to hear from you all people who have changed your life. Teachers, pastors, mentors, therapists, friends, family. All of these people who have had a presence that has impacted us in, in profound ways. Some of these people are people of faith, and they are often called prophets or saints. To some of us, these people seem to have a little bit closer of a connection with God than maybe we do, or their faith just feels and appears to be stronger. Sometimes we put these people of faith, these saints and prophets, up on a pedestal so that we can admire them and applaud their achievements and their faithfulness. But this is dangerous because it means that sometimes we let ourselves off the hook when it comes to our own faith. Well, I'm never going to be as faithful as Mother Teresa, so why should I even try? But the reality is we should allow these saints in our lives and in our faith to challenge us to want to grow in our faith. So when we read our passage today, I believe that Abram and Sarai are at the top of the list of people that seem to have a close connection to God you may know some of Abram's story. Back in chapter 12 of Genesis, he and his wife received a command, leave this place and go. They were already elderly, and yet they were willing to begin a new chapter. They ventured out from this known land and went to a new place, a place where their God promised them that they would be blessed. And all through their journey, God has promised them that this would be the case, that they would be the beginning of this great nation and would have more land than they could ever imagine. All along, Abram has been following faithfully, no questions asked. He has left his country and his father's house. He went down to Egypt and survived a famine. 
He came back and parted ways with Lot, his nephew, who was the closest person he had to his son. And then when that same nephew was captured, he went and rescued him, all with great faith and without question. And all during this process, God continues to remind Abram of the promise he made at the very beginning. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God is promising a future filled with land and with people. And yet, Abram and Sarai's story, the undercurrent of it, is childlessness. And yet, Abram trusts and Abram believes. Just before today's chapter, Abram has taken an army to go rescue his nephew. And this rescue mission was a big reminder that his closest extended family was almost taken from him. I imagine that when Abram hears, your name will be great, you will have many descendants, because he doesn't have a child of his own, he is assuming that that, uh, his descendants will come from his nephew Lot. Abram's not getting any younger. What's the point of having land and possessions if no one is there to pass it along to? I think Abram is scared. And so the first words that are spoken in our passage for today come from God, and they are, do not be afraid. This is a common greeting when divine appearances happen in the Bible, either from God or angels or any other of the plethora of divine things. But in this moment, when, he, when Abram hears, do not be afraid, God isn't just saying hello. God is speaking to exactly what Abram is afraid of. And God addresses it up front. God reminds Abram that his reward is going to be great. And then Abram does what any sane, intelligent, experienced human would do after being told time and time again that greatness is coming. He doubts, he questions, he challenges. Now, I know some of you are thinking, but wait, Abram is the most faithful follower of God that we know, and yet here he is questioning God's timing? Does Abram even have any faith left? Can a person who questions also be a person of faith and a model of faith for the rest of us? Well, I hate to tell you, friends, but just because you have faith doesn't mean that you're never going to have questions. Questions have a terribly wonderful way of persisting, even in the midst of belief. I think the reason some people have this reaction to Abram's behavior, to his questioning, is because they themselves are not comfortable asking questions, especially questions when it comes to their faith. And I'll admit that sometimes the questions that we, myself included, have about our faith or about God or how our faith intersects with the world, these questions can be big And they can be scary. Sometimes the things that other people ask us when it comes to faith are intimidating. If you've never had this experience, Shelley hinted at it earlier. Come hang out in one of our children's Sunday school classrooms or godly play and let children ask you questions about God and faith. It's terrifying and so life-giving all at the same time. This morning, when I was sharing this with uh, the group downstairs with our earlier service, I had to like look up at the ceiling so I wasn't directly speaking to parents about children who ask hard questions. But I love when they ask hard, hard questions. When I hear the words, Pastor KK, can I ask you something? My heart beats fast 
because I have no idea what's coming next. But I love that they are asking questions because it means our children are finding ways to grow in their faith. My philosophy of children's ministry and of life in general is just there's no bad questions to ask. No question is too big or too small or too bad or too scary. And I wish that we all had this same kind of perspective and courage when it comes to asking questions of our faith. When we face our questions and voice them to God, we open our hearts to the awareness that God really is God. We might not ever get an answer to some of the questions we ask, but in order to develop our hearts and nourish our souls, we have to be willing to voice them. I feel like people shy away from this, from asking big questions, because if you have anxiety or doubt or struggle with fear or disappointment, and you're asking big questions, you might think you're having a crisis, a crisis of faith. But asking questions doesn't equal crisis. Faith is not supposed to look like unquestioning acceptance or silent submission. Struggling with your faith and with God, it comes as part of the deal. The theologian Flora Keshjian says that if we take a patriarchal understanding of God, then we are limiting God. Back in the time when Abram was alive, relationships with God were very formal. It was subordinate and superior, or timid child and formidable parents. But if we continue to have this kind of faith, there doesn't leave much room for a closeness in a relationship. And so today, if you need permission to ask hard questions, here it is. You can ask them. God can handle them. God welcomes them. We have to be the ones with the courage to voice them. So after Abram asks God the big and hard questions, God invites Abram to do something. God invites Abram outside at night, and he tells him to look up. Look up, Abram. Look at the heavens and count the stars, if you even can. Count your descendants. This is what I have planned for you. God had a plan and a vision beyond what Abram could see. Even then, when Abram was looking at the stars, there's no way that he could have comprehended how science works and the number of stars in the sky. We are lucky today that we have the ability to see further and more clearly than ever before when it comes to space. And for me, this makes this metaphor even more powerful because there are even more stars to be counted even more stars that symbolize descendants of Abram. When we gaze up into the night sky, we can see the work of God's fingers. We can see moons and stars and the sun suspended up in space. And so I like to think that the reason God called Abram out to stare at the stars was to help Abram imagine the endless possibilities that come when we trust God. I wonder, has God ever called you out to look at the stars? Have you ever been in a place where you couldn't see the outcome, but God puts you in a place or puts people in your life that allow you to imagine that all things are possible if you trust? I'm sure that some of us sitting in this room have felt called or nudged by God at times in the past. Maybe you knew what the end result was, but the journey to go from here to there was just too difficult to see. And you are still just waiting to take the first step until everything is lined up perfectly. 
I know that I've heard countless stories about people who are called to do something, and yet it took years for them to accept that call or to act on it. Maybe you are one of these people, and it is, because, is it because you can't believe you're being called or you won't believe? What about our church? Do you think it's possible that our church is on the cusp of something, but we're hesitating because the vision seems unreachable? Now, I don't know if you know this about churches, but sometimes churches are scared of the future because they can't see all the steps to get where they're going. We often do a good job of the what kind of church do you want to be part of the process, the visioning part of the process. But when it finally comes down to getting down to business and getting down to work, well, fear and uncertainty and doubt creep in, and sometimes it's just easier to stay where we are. But what if we let something else lead us? What if we let imagine and trust guide us? What if we let someone else continue to lead us? What if we let God lead the journey? And when I say we, I mean this church, First Baptist Decatur, but I also mean the Big C Church Universal. What if we trusted God first and foremost in all things? What if each of us walked outside the next time there's a clear night, we got away from the city and just stood and looked up at the stars? And with each star that our eyes can see, we see a possibility. We see amazing possibilities that come from an amazing and creative God. Because, friends, the story doesn't end with Abram standing outside all alone, counting the stars, trying to figure out exactly how many descendants he's going to have. Do you remember what the beginning of verse 6 says? It says, And Abram believed the Lord. Abram had been given a visual reminder of what God has planned if he just believes and if he just trusts. <coughs> Abram moves from a place of fear to a place of belief because he has decided that his life is now going to be organized around this voice, this voice that spoke to him in the night. He is now realizing and living into the fact that there is a future, and it's going to be new and exciting, and it is going to come from a place of hope, and not hopelessness, a place of life and not barrenness. Abram's life is going to be filled with ordinary things like stars and amazing things like hope and a future and life. But the constant thing in both the ordinariness and the amazingness will be Abram's faith and trust in God, in God's promises. When Abram looked up, he saw a future. As he's looking at the stars, he sees possibilities. Did you know that when we look up at the stars, that we're looking at stars and light from stars that have been burning for hundreds of thousands of years? This fun fact is intentionally for Paul Wallace, who probably already knows it, but I read this week that stars that are on the opposite side of our Milky Way galaxy, it takes a hundred thousand years for their light to reach where they are to reach us. When we look at the stars, we are looking into the past. Abram is looking to a future, and our stories suddenly get that much closer. And we are part of this story, and it's not easy. The most difficult thing about faith is that it requires patience and persistence that honestly doesn't come naturally to us. 
But we aren't the only ones who have thought that living a life of faith or journeying in a life of faith is hard. People have been declaring that a life of faith is difficult. But friends, it's the most satisfying way to live. All of those thousands of years ago, Abram looks at the stars and sees a future. And as we look into the night sky and see the stars, may they be a reminder that possibilities are endless, questions are welcome, and the future is bright. Thanks be to God. Amen.